Hello, everybody, and welcome to Queer to Air. My name is Brian, and I use he, him pronouns, and you are in for a real treat today. So when we came up with the ideas for the podcast, one of the ideas that the young people put out there was, how cool would it be to talk to someone from an older generation to compare the coming out stories of someone in present day compared to someone who had to come out decades before? We weren't sure we were going to be able to do it, but we found two people who were willing to come in and talk about their experiences. So before we launch into that, as always, we talk about mental health. So if talking about mental health you think is going to be potentially quite triggering for you, then bear that in mind when considering if this is the right time to listen to this podcast. There are also a number of services out there. If you're in crisis right now or you need help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. They're open 24-7 and you can also access them on lifeline.org.au. You can call Kids Helpline on 1-800-55-1800. There's the Suicide Callback Service on 1-300-65-94-67. They're also open 24-7 and you can visit them on suicidecallbackservice.org.au. Uh, I've talked about Headspace a lot. It's a great resource for supporting young people and their mental health. Uh, They're all over the country, so I can't give you one number for one location. But if you jump on to headspace.org.au, you can find your nearest branch. And uh, you can also jump on eheadspace.org.au as well for counseling online. Uh, QLife is a phone counseling service specifically for LGBTI people. Um, their number is 1-800-184-527, available 3 p.m. to midnight in your state, and you can visit them on qlife.org.au, and they have that online chat as well. And of course, there's Freedom Center, which is where we come from. Uh, we're not a crisis line, but if you ever need direction in where the best place to seek help is, you call us on 9228-0354. The email is info at freedom.org.au, and the website is freedom.org.au, where you can find all our opening times so you can come into any of our drop-in sessions and talk to the staff and volunteers to get that information as well. All of the information will play after the outro music, in the middle, and in the description for this podcast. I really hope you enjoy these podcasts as much as we did recording them. Uh, And thanks again to Finch for coming into the studio for us. I am very excited for today's podcast. As soon as we started deciding what topics that we wanted to talk about for the podcast, um, the young people said that it would be so awesome to have like intergenerational chats to compare the experiences that we have in 2018 to experiences that people may have had growing up in previous generations. So I got in touch with Gray, which is an organization in WA that does a great job at advocating for the rights and supporting people who are older or aging, and they got in touch. Uh, they got us in touch with our guest today. So it is my pleasure to introduce to Queer to Air podcast. Uh, please welcome Finch. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And how are you going, Brian? Yeah, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming in and um, like putting your hand up uh, to talk about this. We didn't know whether or not anyone would want to, um, and you were right on board right from the beginning. Well, yes, I suppose I was, with a little push from June Lowe. <laughs> Shout out to June Lowe. Um, and we also have Raph in the studio as well. Hi, Raph. Hi. Um, so, Finch, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes, well, I was born in 1943, which is uh, during the war, during the Second World War. I was born in England, came to Australia in 1966. 
mm-hmm. and actually, although I'd been, I'd went into gay bars and uh, you know led a sort of gay life before that. It wasn't until I got to Australia that I started to live properly. So, did you come out when you were in England? No, not really, not mm. really. My parent, I never came out to my mother. Um, Ever? I, never. No, no, she would not have understood. And because I was in Australia, I couldn't create a backup for her. You know, if I'd been living there, maybe I could have. My father said to me once, I went when I went home on a visit, he said, you've got your earring in the wrong ear. I had an earring, right? And um, so um, that was all he said. But he, I knew what he meant, and he knew what oh. I meant. <laughs> so what's the meaning of... Um, oh, left for uh, left for heterosexual, I think. Right for gay. Right. Oh. Initially, you know, I mean, I, I don't no know idea. what they mean these days. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many piercings for her uh, um, right. these days. So yeah. When you said you could have provided a backup for your mum, what did you? What did you? Well, mean? I mean, I, she would have needed support. You know, right? For, okay. Uh, right. She's a working class girl. When she was. Um, when she started work, she work went. She was put into service, which a lot happened to a lot of girls. Which means she goes off and be a be a housekeeper, housemaid, etc. You know that was the the destiny of working mm-hmm. girls. You know, unless they went into a factory, and uh, so you know, and limited education. So she would have, you know, she would have needed support with something as monumental as her son being queer. Mm. Right. Particularly in those days, queer was a really nasty word. Mm. We now own it. Those are regarded as negative, but to us, because we are queer, they're positive. We have to be positive about ourselves. I agree. Um, So you were saying earlier that you never came out to your mom. Um, Was coming out even a thing back then? Um, around uh, the time? I don't think so. I think that started, I mean, now I, I could be open to correction here, but I really think it started in the 60s. Uh, the, Stone, the concept of like coming the out? The concept of coming out, yes, yes. But people have been coming out for years and living openly gay. Uh, Oscar was virtually living openly gay, even though mm. he's married. And then after that, there are, I can't just think of their names, but various figures throughout the 20th century have been gay right from the start, you know. So uh, uh, I'm not a pioneer. I've just joined the mob, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you were talking about when you came to Australia, um, that was when you really started to use the community as your family, yeah? Yeah, that's yeah. right, yes. And so what sort of stuff did you start doing when you started coming to Australia? Well, I still we still went to bars, mm-hmm. you know, and you move you make a circle of friends, and then when you've got a circle of friends, uh, the idea was that uh, that you went partying, you know, and uh, it wasn't until the late sixties, early seventies that I became political, and then uh, got into uh, gay politics, and uh, discovered it was a whole new world, you know that. Uh, we needed to become liberated as a species, you know, as homosexual men and women. Um, when we were chatting outside, you said that we have to lift a lid on everlasting love. Uh, yes, I think we do, because it's not for everybody. Mm. 
You know, it's for certain people. Certain people meet in a darkened room and sort of, you know, that's it. The, the hearts start going off. But uh, there's nothing wrong with leading a life as an individual. How would you describe the mental health of gay men or LGBTI people in general um, in, you know, when you were coming out? When I was coming out, I think uh, it was remarkably good. But okay. I knew a lot of radical people. <laughs> um, so, no, I think mental health is really, you know, something we weren't aware of until recently. We've become more aware of mental health health recently. And I do think, I mean, figures might dispute this, but I think that mental health problems are a product of the late 20th, early 21st century. You know, people, it was a simpler life then. Mm -hmm. Therefore, now you feel you've got to... um, conform you there's pressures now are much worse than they were during my time well for most people i mean for gay people it's improved but for other people it's become horrendous so do you think that what we know about mental health now does not exactly apply to um the lgbti community 50 years ago Um, Um, in a certain way no, I, I think that if you'd have gone to see a psychiatrist 50 years ago, he would have uh, talked about aversion therapy. Mm. You know, mm. And you would only have gone if you wanted to be something else. I've never wanted to be anything else. So looking back at some of the situations that you've had in your life, are there any situations that you think, oh, man, if I had to go through that now, I would, I would never have the same experience. It would be easier or potentially it would be more difficult? Oh, yes, quite a lot. My first uh, experience of being thrown out of a bar in Soho in London would have been when I was about 18, I suppose. And uh, we were all... The police raided the bar, which was regular, threw us out on the street, and you had to wait in the streets while they took your name and address and uh, carted certain people off in the van, you know. Uh, Now, that would not happen today. And Mm. we felt it's just part of what we are, you know. We have to cope with this for the rest of our lives, being raided, being looked down on. We'd not not thought about maybe we should be protesting, you know, so... Are we talking about gay bars or...? Yes, gay bars. Yes. But gay bars that weren't gay bars, as in, like, everybody knew that they were gay bars, but they weren't advertised as gay oh, bars. Oh, no, no, nothing was out as being gay. Yeah. You know. But the police knew. Oh, yes, they yeah. would, know, would have known. We used to go to a place called Auntie's Bar in Walsall, which was the biggest bar. Lord Montague used to go there, <laughs> uh, which was the biggest bar in the Midlands. It was only a tiny bar, actually, but everybody came and people spilled out into the streets and the backyard. And thing. It was run by this woman who used to be in show business. I think she had dogs. She used to do performing dogs. And uh, she was called Auntie. And she ran this bar in Walsall, and uh, she, I understand she paid the police, you know, oh, so, that, wow. so that they didn't raid. I think that's how it operated in those days. Wow. 
So the police would stay away from. So the police wouldn't um, oh. raid. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's just it's just a diff- it's just a different world. <laughs> yeah. Um, this yeah no this, these things would never happen nowadays. No. No, um, they but, wouldn't. No, no, it's quite different now. All right, time for the intermission. Just to remind you that if anything we have said is causing you any sort of distress or we've empowered you to reach out for the help that you've been thinking about getting for a while, uh, there are a number of services that are available to you. Lifeline is available on 13, 11, 14, and they are open 24-7. And you can also access lifeline.org.au. Kids Helpline is 1-800-55-1800. QLife is 1-800-184-527. The website is qlife.org.au and online counselling is available. And for more services that are available to you, just remember that this played at the beginning. You'll hear it at the end after the outro music and you can also find all of this information in the description for the podcast. Let's get back to it. Um, were there were there any other experiences that you feel like you wouldn't have? You wouldn't have now. Yeah. Well, if I was younger now, to have a whole different different attitude, I wouldn't have had to find out about my oppression uh, because I'd have heard about it from my peers, from the people I you know see in my daily life. So when you say you found out about your oppression, like what do you what yeah. do you mean? Well, it's a it's a process, you know. In the sixties, uh, late sixties, early seventies, Dennis Altman published his book, which I, I think you can still get a hold of, called "Homosexual Oppression and Liberation," and uh, that was an eye opener, because that was the textbook. This is your oppression, you know. He's he's gay people's answer to Dumaine Greer. This is your uh, oppression. This is. Uh, what you're up against, and many people don't realize that. So do you mean that um, back then gay people were oppressed in certain ways, but it wasn't until like this book, for example, came out, they've realized that they, that they were actually being oppressed and it was just not something they just had to put up oh, with? Oh, yes, yes, that okay. was it. I mean, the, the uh, homosexual liberation and um, oppression and liberation um, was... Uh, an eye-opener to me and the first thing that happens you become very angry you know and this I think this is what led to the march in 1978 you know as a result of Stonewall uh, the 1978 first so-called gay march gay pride march was a march of protest Okay. And uh, I'm sure this was because we had been going to consciousness-raising groups in um, gay liberation. We had been realising our oppression and reacting against it. And as a result, we went for a march to protest. Is that in Sydney? Which yes, yeah. in Sydney okay. in 1978, yes. Wow, um, what a monumental yeah. thing oh, to be yes, a part of. Oh, yes, you have to know about your history, you see, yeah. because... Uh, Australia has a history too, and it's well, it doesn't start in '78, but '78 <laughs> is the first defining moment mm. of you know the march to to uh, being free. Were you present that day? I was in there, yes. Mm. So, what issues do you think you still face nowadays as a seventy-year-old uh, plus um, gay man? Oh well, I think think it's a bit annoying sometimes. I have to constantly come out. 
you know, which I'm mm. constantly having to do. Uh, people asking me, you know, have you got any grandchildren? Me. Uh, and this is still happening to me. And the, the still the norm is regarded as heterosexual. Mm-hmm. But if you're at the other end of the spectrum now, uh, there's no bi. It's just pansexuality. That's the new expression, I understand. You know, And I think that's correct. And I think that all human beings are ultimately going to be pansexual because we are a very, we're the most evolved species on the planet as far as we know. So, you know, it starts with us. We've got to become aware of the, our fellow animals too. <laughs> that's, that's so interesting because I think a lot of young people would probably write off anyone, I don't know, over the age of 50 as, as being like, oh, they don't really get what pan is, so they don't really get it. And you're saying like, that's right, everyone's pan. Pansexuals love that. I think pan is very appropriate, you know. I think mm. it's a very good description. I think there will be... I don't know if people will, be, will still... In this generation, people will still get to 60 and not know, mm. uh, you know, that they have a wider spectrum of sexuality. Mm. Yeah, that's good insight, actually. It's yeah. The, the, the idea of a generation not finding out until much later or not... I guess being aware of options available to them in terms of identif- uh, identifying that probably won't happen as much, at least in the like countries that we are privileged to live in. Well, that's right. Mm. Yes. In terms of um, coming out or anything pretty much related to sexuality, is there something that you look back to when you were younger and think, "Oh, I would have definitely do- done that differently"? Oh, question without notice. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are many things. Yeah. There are many things because, uh, you know, in 75 years you make a great many mistakes and you continue to make them. Mm. You don't you don't stop making mistakes. Um, so, yes, there would be many things that I've, I would have done differently. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Especially in terms of coming out do you think you would have liked to actually have a coming out? I wish I could have been more... uh, Yes, I would have liked to have had a coming out Mm. as such. I'd like to have been more aggressive earlier about it. And, you know, because that's what that's where advancement comes. Mm. And by aggressive, you mean standing up for yourself yes, and being stand, open. And, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean fisticuff. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to clarify in case anyone went away being like, right, more aggressive. Yes. That's the approach I'll take. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. But yeah. I mean, you know, up, uh, and, and radical about it, really. Mm-hmm. Look, yeah. I've had such a good time. I reckon I could, I could speak to you every week. So if you think of something that you uh, later that you want to talk about, we can invite you back on, and we'll have you, we'll have you again. Maybe you could have a selection of my record choices. No, for sure. Yeah, thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, and thanks, Raf, for coming on as well. It's been fun. It actually has been fun. Yeah, I I think it's I think it's so important to get perspectives from and that's what we've been trying to do with the podcast is get as many different perspectives as possible from as many different young people, but I think it's also important to get perspectives from older generations. Definitely. And, there should be more meeting between an old and young. I've always been on there with um with June Lowe to actually, you know, find communication between the old and the young. Mm. Uh, and particularly as I realise that I don't have any grandchildren and I'm struggling with my 
uh, Apple Macintosh computer. <laughs> and a grandchild, I could say, how do you do this? <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think the um, older generation does not always get a voice in certain events where they probably should. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Finch, is a thank you for coming on the podcast. If you ever need help with your laptop, just give me a a text message and I'll come over and help you. We'll sort that out. Okay, if you want to follow everything we're doing on this podcast, um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, If you're talking about us online, hashtag Queer to Air. As always, there is a link in the description for a survey. It would really uh, be beneficial for us if you go on and tell us whether you learned anything, if you liked it, what we could do better, all that jazz. And there will be a pre-recorded message after the outro music for services if you are in need of urgent help. All right, thank you. Uh, Say goodbye, everyone. Bye. If this podcast has caused any distress or triggered you in any way, here are a list of services that are available to you. You can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 and they are open 24-7. You can also access lifeline.org.au for more information on their services. You can call Kids Helpline on 1-800-55-1800. You can call Suicide Callback Service on 1300 65 94 67. Also available 24-7 or you can visit suicidecallbackservice.org.au. Headspace numbers are going to change for each location, so you can jump onto headspace.org.au to find your nearest branch or you can jump onto eheadspace.org.au to check out their online counselling option. QLife is 1-800-184-527. They're available 3pm to midnight in your state around Australia. You can also visit them on qlife.org.au and you can have an online chat similar to Headspace. Freedom Center's info is 92280354. Email us at info at freedom.org.au or you can visit freedom.org.au for other services that we provide. If you are listening to this and you are in crisis, I urge you to reach out for help and get the support that you need and definitely deserve.